What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Or just better now. That's all you can say. Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley. I'm here with my co-host, Boss Dog. Boss, say hello to the people. Hello and welcome to the inaugural edition and hope you all will stay with us for this fun and long journey. Yeah, me as well. So we're glad to be here um, just to kind of set this up. We just want this to be a forum where we can talk about topics that are relevant to UGA football, all things dogs, and kind of keep this conversation going not only during the season, but in the off season. So uh, I guess it's smart to start with kind of how we came came to be fans of the dogs or follow the dogs. So boss, why don't you start with, with the, your Georgia Genesis story and, and we'll go from there. So for me, not a UGA alum, just a fan, but uh, started in the 04 season. You were visiting me at at my alma mater for a clash of our two schools. And after that game was over, we just happened to be watching a Georgia game and we come from smaller school college football schools. So, you know, big time college football and then, you know, got interested in it from there and then really took off in, in Shockley's senior year and really got into it in the 05 season and then kind of went went on from there and been a dog fan ever since. And I bleed red and black. Highs and lows in that journey. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Highs and lows. <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody can appreciate that. Yeah, so for me, uh, similar, um, we both went to 1AA football program schools, so you kind of need a main attraction on a Saturday. So I think it's how we both came to, to wanting to follow somebody on the Division One level. I, I came to be a Dogs fan, Dogs follower, went to visit some friends in Athens and strictly went to party, just happened to be the Auburn-Georgia game, uh, Auburn team that had Jason Campbell and – Cadillac and the, that whole crew, and it was the it was the game. Odell Thurman took one like 101 yards interception return right into the Georgia student section where we were sitting, and uh, I've been hooked ever since, man. So maybe I need to get Odell Thurman jersey. I feel like I, I'm selling that short by not rocking that, but uh, that's kind of where it started for me. So yeah, well, we're gonna do what we can to to give you the best insight we can from from our point of view. And hopefully everybody enjoys it. We look forward to hearing what y'all think as well. So let's start at the top here. Obviously, the big story is Jake deciding that he's Jake Fromm deciding that he's going to forego his senior year of eligibility and head to the NFL. Um, I know from some of our conversations that was not a surprise to you, boss. Why don't you elaborate on that a little bit? Just from following the story all year and from everything that talked, talking to other people on forums and, you know, reading everything, I feel like that from the beginning of the season, his plan seemed to be that he was going to go before the season. And I know that a lot of people seem to think that, you know, his struggles towards the end of the season were going to lead to him coming back. Unfortunately, 
his his struggles at the end of the season were kind of a genesis of the struggles for the whole offense. The offense, entire offense struggled towards the second half of the season. All dog fans can, can admit to that. I don't really feel like that anything was going to change with Jake coming back. Could he improve his draft stock? Most of But Jake is not going to all of a sudden become a running quarterback. He's not going to all of a sudden become super athletic. He's not going to run a 4-4-40. Jake is who he is. He's a super intelligent, accurate passer most of the time when he has you know his number one available to him. As you and I have talked about before, the person that I can most compare him to for the type of leader and the type of person, the type of quarterback he is, he reminds me the most of Troy Aikman. Um, I know that the Troy Aikman type quarterback doesn't really fit today's NFL, but that's the type of quarterback that he reminds me of. He throws to a spot, not to a person. He expects his receivers to be in in a certain spot, and that's how Aikman was. Aikman was also notorious for being terrible in um, in bad weather because he had smaller hands. Also had great offensive lines and great running games. So that's the type of quarterback he reminds me of most. To that point, I would say, too, that you know maybe Aikman is remembered differently if he played during the modern offenses of today, right? You know, maybe he maybe he looks different in a Sean Payton offense, or maybe he looks different in a Josh McDaniels offense. Different, different times, different games. So exactly, exactly. Aikman wasn't, you know, asked to throw the ball, you know, thirty-five times a game. I don't think Aikman ever threw for more than twenty-two or th- twenty-three touchdowns because he wasn't asked to. He didn't need to for them to win. And Jake, he's not going to be a day one starter in the NFL. At least I don't think he's going to be asked to. Nor do I think he should be asked to. I think he needs to go to a place like the Saints, like the Patriots, too. To develop, I, but we're getting off topic. Sorry, I'm rambling. But I feel that you know it wasn't a big surprise to me. I feel like his plan all along was to go to the league, and I don't feel like his struggles deterred him very much because of the things that I said. I don't think he's going to be able to improve on them by coming back to UGA for a season. I think we would see the same. He his numbers may improve, but I don't think that you're going to see his strengths are still going to be his strengths, and his weaknesses are still going to be his weaknesses. Yeah, and I think as we've talked about a lot over the course of the season, I was the exact opposite of you. I, I was shocked when the news came out. Obviously, it dropped the same day as the Cade Mays stuff, so that was the first news story that kind of popped on my Twitter feed. But then I saw Jake's announcement. I about fell off my chair. I, uh, I, I just He always struck me as a four-year guy, and maybe I was just being idealistic about that. Um, I, I just thought based on his trajectory, he just reminded me in so many ways of Aaron with – wanting to come back, wanting to finish. But I do think there were some things that happened near the end of the year that gave me a little bit of pause. It hasn't really been talked about, and nobody officially has said anything about it, but you just can't convince me that that injury scare during the SEC championship didn't kind of cloud his mind a little bit and say, you know, it could happen that quick. And if that does happen, what what is the future moving forward? I mean, I, I certainly agree with you that he's not going to change his profile any. He's going to be who he is, which I certainly think is an NFL quarterback, and and I think he will get drafted absolutely. Um, but he, but he obviously got the draft grade that he felt comfortable with or had told himself that was going to be acceptable for him to leave, and he rolled with it. And I don't think anybody faults him for that, and I think everybody will remember him for what he what he is and what he was and that's a damn good dog so obviously we wish jake the best and and he'll be great and and we'll keep rooting for him whatever jersey he ends up being in but obviously with him leaving it left a big hole in that quarterback room 
And the smoke had been pretty much since the SEC championship that the coaching staff had been talking to different transfers. And finally it comes through that Jamie Newman has, has signed with the dogs, which if you follow college football at large, you know, he played at Wake Forest, you know, in Dave Clawson's offense, they did some big things this year. What are your thoughts on that transfer boss? How do you think he's going to look in, in a Georgia offense next year? Well, I think he's going to fit what the transition of the offense is going to look like. I think that this bringing in this type of quarterback really shows that Kirby is hopefully going to take his imprint off the offense and just let the offense be and, you know, let it evolve into the modern college football. As much as I love the 17th season, I feel like for Kirby, the worst thing that happened was getting so close to the title and not winning. And honestly, I think that the worst thing would have been for the evolution of the program would have been if Kirby and the dogs would have won the 17 title because the game has passed that style of football away. There's no longer, you know, games where you can win throwing for, you know, 41 yards a game or throwing eight passes a game, such as when Georgia throttled Tennessee in 17. Uh, 41 nothing. There just isn't games like that anymore, unless you're playing a lesser opponent. College football isn't, doesn't work that way anymore. You have to be able to throw the ball, and you have to be able to throw the ball downfield. Newman's biggest strength, everybody talks about his legs and how he's going to bring a running element. Jake could run the ball. Jake, for whatever reason this year, they chose not to run the football. And I think the biggest reason that no one ever talks about, look who was behind Jake this year. As much as everybody talk, raves about Stetson Bennett, I don't think that the coaching staff trusted Stetson enough to let Jake run the football and risk injury. That's well, just an the, opinion. The transfers show that, right? I think their pursuit of transfer options from the portal showed that because if, if they had felt confident with him, they would have said, well, this is going to be Stetson's show and we're going to let him roll and go with it. And I, I, I do think it's, it is very telling because I know folks have talked a lot about, well, what about, you know, Dwan Mathis, which obviously with his health situation, I think it's it's too soon to even consider him for, for that role now. Um, I think maybe he could evolve into that one day. But then, you know, they know they don't have a Jake Fromm on that roster who could walk in as a freshman and capably lead that team. And I think it also shows they have some urgency with the defense that's going to come back. And I think that's why they went and got Jamie Newman. I mean, I, I think Jamie Newman allows them some things that even though he could move, I don't know that Jake was a play extender like Jamie Newman has the opportunity to be. And with all the edge talent they have coming back, whether it be George Pickens or uh, Demetrius Robertson or hopefully you know a healthy Dominic Blaylock and then all the, the freshmen that are coming in, you hope that there can be some unplanned successes, right? Where he moves a little bit, breaks the pocket, and these guys can kind of improvise and, and we bust some more plays. It just felt like to me the offense this year was very stagnant, not a lot of big explosive plays. And I think that's that's part of the allure of Jamie Newman is, is that that could happen. Uh, I did see a stat on him that was interesting, talking about he had the second – best tight window percentage in all of college football behind Joe Burrow, uh, which I think all Georgia fans are familiar with tight windows for receivers this year. So that was, uh, that was interesting to me. I was, I was happy to see that. Another thing that I go back to with the 
the legs um, aspect of it is the one thing that does excite me is the fact that the zone read this year was pretty much non-existent for Georgia, mainly because everyone knew that Jake was not going to tuck it and run. He just wasn't going to do it. Was it be because of the risk of injury or what may have you? It, everyone knew he was not going to run the ball. So everyone teed off on the running back every single time. The, the end crashed every single time. This next season, there will be the threat of the run. And I think that this year there will be, Georgia will be more confident with the quarterback room. Now you'll still have Stetson Bennett. Hopefully you'll have a healthy Dwan Mathis. You'll also have the incoming freshman Carson Beck. There'll be a much more competitive quarterback room behind behind Jamie Newman as opposed to behind Jake Fromm this past year. Absolutely. I think I think there's some validity to that. I think, you know, obviously the hope is that Jamie stays healthy all year and kind of takes the mantle of the starter and runs with it. Obviously, that's what's best for the team, and they get some rhythm and, and they roll, man. So I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It makes the spring game, I think, a lot more intriguing because you kind of get to see a new guy. It sort of reminds me of the two spring games with Jake in 17 and then Justin in 18, their first spring games, kind of getting to see what the new guy looks like and 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 where all that sits so that'll be fun come mid-april i'm seeing they're projecting like april 18th for g-day unannounced but that's the projection so that'll be great hopefully they'll be on espn or the sec network everybody can check that out uh one final note on jamie newman boss and i are big fans of this company in nashville called seven six apparel seven six released a shirt shortly after jamie's announcement that he was going to be a dog that was just the word Newman across the front in the Seinfeld TV show font, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, and just a postscript to that, I was listening to Seth Emerson uh, a couple days after that, and he dropped this nugget that Wayne Knight, the guy who played Newman on Seinfeld, is actually a UGA grad. So love that. Um, he went to Cartersville High School, uh, same high school that's Trevor Lawrence went to and played football there, actually. So Wayne Knight got a lot of ties to the dogs. I think the um, the marketing department, sports marketing department with UJ Athletics is really dropping the ball for homecoming. They don't have Wayne Knight uh, come on campus and do the coin flip or something like that. That would be an just epic picture of Jamie and Seinfeld's Newman standing beside each other with a football or something like that. Just cracked me up. I think that would be a great chant for the for the fans this year. To get a, you know, a Newman chant going or something like half the stadium do new, the other half do men. I think that'd be a great chant for the, for the yeah. fans this year. Um, yeah, I'm here for something, that. Something with it. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm here with that. All right, we'll transition away from the quarterback. Let's talk about an area that maybe folks don't really highlight as an area of need because it's not as sexy. But certainly there's a couple big holes there with Charlie Warner and Eli Wolf leaving after graduation. Uh, it's, news came out that... The dogs added Trey McKitty from the transfer portal, was the tight end at FSU, uh, which is obviously great, especially with the news of Darnell Washington coming in. They kind of got two big, big guys that can catch the football out there. What do you think they're – well, let's let's just stay with Trey. What do you think Trey's addition could mean to that offense and to the team? Well, Trey's addition also signifies the change in offensive philosophy because he is more of – more of your pass catching tight end, you know, bringing in Eli Wolf last year, you know, signified more of your status quo. He was more of your run blocking tight end. Eli Wolf, when he came in last year, was PFF's third highest rating run blocking tight end the year before in 2018, if I remember correctly, something like that. He was really high up there as far as run blocking tight ends go when he was at Tennessee. 
So bringing him in meant more of, you know, he's going to be brought in as a run blocker. Now, he really contributed as a pass catcher in certain games as well. But I feel that bringing in McKitty really shows the, the transition to the different style of offense that George is going to put on the field next year. Now, McKitty is most famously known for that just weird play for Florida State last year where he would happen to be the unfortunate person that was standing backwards in the formation. Watch this guy's film, guys. Uh, he is a very, very athletic tight end. He's like 6'4", 245, and can run. He is a mismatch for most linebackers, you know, not named Roquan. He's <laughs> just a big body and can, you know, he can get open. Now, unfortunately, at Florida State, he just didn't have anybody throwing the ball. Uh, I, I feel like that you put him with Darnell, and if nothing else, it gives us a, a veteran player that, you know, has played in college football and can, you know, knows the ropes. So can, if nothing else, gives Darnell Washington a, a leader for a year, has another guy there for a year to at least help him in some way, show him the ropes. Because, I mean, Washington's going to be, you know, several thousand miles away from home, you know, learning, not only learning the college game, but learning the college life. So that can be a big transition for a kid, especially that far away from home. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the point about uh, the transition, the offense to more of a pass catching offense. I noticed multiple people say this. I know Coach Rick said it when they interviewed him about uh, Trey McKitty, but the, the buzzword that tells you that he's not a run blocker is they keep saying he's a willing run blocker meaning he's a yeah. team, he's a team guy and will do it if he's asked to but that ain't why he's on the roster folks <laughs> trey is <laughs> he's a willing blocker that doesn't always mean that he's able so I, I thought that buzzword's been funny willing blocker um yeah but t t so he'll get in your way yeah he'll get in your way he'll he'll take up some time but he's not going to be uh having a lot of pancakes on the stat sheet i do i think your point is is relevant too about the fact that he can catch the football that he will be a target i i do think one of the undersold stories in the uh regression of the offense this year was the absence of isaac nada you know i you say what you want about isaac but he he was somebody the defense at least had to game plan for and respect from a vertical perspective so he could occupy the safety uh keep them away from you know doubling up on the outside receiver that is just not something that was there this year. Charlie and Eli did just fine, but I wouldn't call either one of them a vertical threat or somebody you had to really, really game plan for up the seam. And I think that Trey and Darnell will both provide that. So it may create some some windows for open receivers that weren't there just, just based on the level of athlete that's going to be at the position. I think the other thing it does is it, it really makes for some intriguing options uh, offensively to try and scheme some guys open because you're going to have two guys that are from a roster perspective tight ends but may be able to move around and do some things whether it be crossing routes or quick digs that you just wouldn't otherwise see from a traditional tight end especially in that sec build so i think it's exciting it's always good to see guys that have one final bite at the apple that last transfer year choose to come play for Georgia. Uh, so I'm excited to see what Trey does and, and uh, you know, hopefully puts up video game numbers and, and gets drafted and, and rolls on. So, so I'm excited to see that. Uh, There's also one other thing on Trey before we move on. You know, we really have no idea what Georgia has in Fitzpatrick and Goatee at this point. 
and it has come out that Godey is going to play baseball in the spring. I saw that. So, so with that happening, Godey's going to miss, you know, probably the majority of spring practice, the majority of spring meetings. I mean, that takes out, that's what, four months, depending on how far Georgia goes. Um, hopefully they go, you know, the college world series, but that takes out, you know, four, another four or five months that he's going to be away from football. And, you know, that's time away that, you know, he could be, you know, bulking up developing as a tight end for Georgia. So that makes this McKitty transfer all the more important for the beginning of the season. Yeah, I will. I will say postscript on that. I did see a note, uh, some further depth on that. Apparently, he will be with the baseball team until spring practice officially begins. And then he will stay with the football team through the G day uh, game. And then he'll go back to the baseball team. But I still think your point is valid because even not being in that regular football mode, whether it be in the lead up to spring practice or post spring practice, you know, I think it matters. I think also too, there were some durability concerns with both of them last year. So just the fact that the, the tight end room is bulked up with two guys and two bigger guys, I think I think will be great for the composition of the offense and, and the things that allow them to do schematically. So, yeah, that's a great point. So uh, let's finish up with um, – I just want to talk about the defensive returns because obviously uh, the lack of success we had keeping people on the offensive side of the ball, it was the inverse on the defensive side. Uh, four big names that came back uh, – Rat Trap, Richie, Richard LeCount, uh, Eric Stokes, Malik Herring, and Monty Rice, all big gets to come back. You know, I feel like it's almost like getting four extra recruits in your class and, and guys you already know what you're getting from. So uh, how excited does that make you about the, the 2020 defense and, and kind of how things will look on that side of the ball? Well, I, this defense was going to be stellar without these guys. Uh, I mean, it, just with the talent that was coming back without these four. You throw in these four, and it has a chance to be the best in the country. Again, points per game. It has a chance to be even better for, as Kirby likes to say, havoc plays. You throw in LeCount coming back. He's now going to go back. In, he's going to go back into his spot, but he's going to fill the J.R. Reed role as the leader of the defense. Stokes has really been since he took over the starting role last year from Tyson, been the best defensive back on the field. And then this gives you three legitimate cornerbacks to just rotate as needed between him, Campbell, and Daniel. Then you throw in Tyreek Stevenson, who is going to be really hard to keep off the field because anytime he's on the field, he's all over the ball. Uh, he's a grown like, I really don't know how you keep Tyreek, how you keep Tyreek off the field. Yeah, he's the freak. Your Monty's going to be one of your starting inside linebackers. Probably with Dean. Yep. And if anyone who's not excited about Dean, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, honestly, I know he didn't flash his freshman year, but I, I keep going back to Roquan wasn't Roquan his freshman year either. You know, or, Roquan or really sophomore. wasn't Roquan until his sophomore. Yeah. But I mean, you saw Flash as his sophomore year of what the type of player he could be. I feel like Dean has the instincts that every time he was on the field, you saw them. But he just wasn't physically there because he got hurt at the beginning of the year with the high ankle sprain and just wasn't ready. He didn't really fully recover from that until the end of the season. And by that point, you know, Tay, you couldn't take Tay off the field because he was all over the place. And he he just earned it. And you're not going to take Monty off the field because he's really your best linebacker. Malik, every year you keep saying this is the year for Malik. And 
realistically, I mean, this is his last year, so this has to be it. I feel like Malik could have the type of year that Tyler Clark did last year. Tyler Clark was expected his junior year to really be have that big year, and he didn't. But then he come, his senior year, he comes back, and he does have a much more productive year. Still not as good as a year as everyone expected his junior year to be, but a much more productive year, and he fit more into the team mold of what you know he was expected to do. And he had a huge year, boosted up his draft stock. I expect the same thing from Malik Carey next year. Another guy that's not on this list that wasn't mentioned that kind of just goes by the wayside because he got redshirted and kind of got lost in the shuffle. Julian Rochester, yeah. kind of a forgotten guy yeah, back there. Great point. You know, he's a depth he's a depth guy, but I mean, he's our you know he really is the only other guy because we have so many new guys. When we lost, I think I think five guys graduated this year from the defensive line. Yep. Him and Malik and Jordan Davis are now the 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 leaders of that that defensive line group and everybody else is pretty much a pup, even though Jordan Davis might be the largest pup I have ever seen. I still feel that, you know, Julian, if even if it's not his play on the field shows it, his leadership and, you know, hey, this is the right way to do it is going to be invaluable for the defense. Oh, I thought that was a big-time chess move by Kirby, too. I mean, you could tell that was deliberate. I know they kept saying it was because of the ACL, and he's not quite there, and blah, blah, blah. But come on, man. He looked at the depth chart. He knew that, that the way things were going and with yeah. he leaves red. So I thought that was a, a – he played that beautifully because the games he did play in were all big games, and then uh, he gets to come in and fill some spots during that, the, the Sugar Bowl. And, I mean, you know, we say that, that Julian may – may just be kind of a contributor type guy, but we don't know that. He may come out and have a, a monster year. I, to your point about Malik, I do think that's true. I do love me some Malik Herring. I think he could be such a stud. I wonder if within that defensive scheme, you know, I think so much of Kirby's defense, and I thought this was so interesting about how they were all termed the no-name defense this year. I do think there's something to that. I think Kirby's defense, and I've always thought this, is a it's a it's an assignment defense. It requires guys to play their assignment. I think it's why he has such a a love-hate relationship with Richard LeCount. It's because he can see the tantalizing talent that Richard has, but he also knows that Richard has to play within the scheme. And I think you saw Richard do that over the back half of the season, and boy, was it exciting to see. And it's exciting to think about what he'll do next year. And I agree with you. I think he does step into that leadership role that, that goes that kind of goes out the door with JR. Well, while we're talking about JR, let's just also say damn good dog there. I love me some JR Reed. Uh what an what an addition from the transfer portal he was. Um, you know, I think he'll be one of those guys that gets remembered more fondly as the years go on. And I think Richard has that opportunity. I, I think his narrative is great too because he kind of started the good momentum for Kirby's regime, right? I mean, he was the first recruit to say, I believe in this guy and I'm coming. And he's an in-state guy, uh, you know, wearing the wearing the Santa outfit, promising all the Florida wins with Jake. I mean, Richard has the opportunity, if they have a special year next year, to, I think, really cement himself in dog's lore when it comes to a leg legacy conversation. Uh, so that's exciting. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think these are just additions, right? I think that defense was going to be a monster next year regardless, just because they played so many guys last year and were so deep, which I think was was valuable. And I think those that'll show in spades next year when, when they come back you know, rare and rock and ready to go. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm excited. I think, I think with the additions in the transfer portal with what they got coming back on defense, 
I think there's a lot to be optic optimistic about if you're a Georgia fan for 2020. There's just the schedule is tough because it's always tough in the SEC, but it's not that bad. I mean, I, I told you this last week, if you go through that schedule, outside of having to go to Tuscaloosa, do any of those teams really scare you? Is there is there a quarterback on that list that you really go, oh, boy, I feel like he might hurt our defense? I mean, I just I don't see it, man. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be in a really, really, really good spot moving forward. So. Well, I agree. Um, you have any? Yeah. It's really long ways away, and I know it's terrible, and it's the worst time of the year. Like I was, <laughs> I was telling my wife this, and she's like, "I don't care." But it, well, my baseball team is really bad right now, so it just makes the gap between the end of college football and the start of college football excruciatingly long. Um, so I am just counting down the days uh, until September seventh in the in the bins for them to put that whooping on UVA. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You got any closing thoughts today? I do want to make one comment on the Cade Mays transfer. Honestly, um, you and I have talked about it. Cade Mays, for me, you know, both of us don't really, you know, I'm not upset about him transferring. I'm upset kind of the same way I was upset about when Fields transferred. Wasn't upset about Fields leaving. Just if you're going to leave, just leave. Don't drag the university through the mud with it. This whole suit thing um, with his dad and, you know, I understand you. if you're going to file suit, you have to do it within the two-year statute of limitations. I get that. But, you know, this pinky, it obviously isn't hindering you, but so much, you know, you're able to go hunting. You're able to post all these pictures on social media, talking about Kevin, talking about his father, not talking about Cade, talking about his dad. Um, do all this stuff, you know, obviously losing the tip of your pinky finger is not hindering you, but so bad. You really don't need to drag the university through the mud with a public suit. And it is public knowledge for those people out there who think that, you know, the university or people are digging for information. It's not hard to find if, you know, you're, you type, type in Kevin Mays, it pops up on Google. Just saying. So that's my, the, my, the only thing I'll say about it. I wish Cade the best in Tennessee. You know, I hope that when the time comes, I hope he does well every other game except when he plays Georgia. That's really my only opinion on Cade Mays. Have nothing against him for wanting to go home and play with his brother. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. I mean, I think I think you know my thoughts on Cade. I I think people that were acting like the sky was falling when it's announced that Cade Mays is leaving, I I just kind of think, man, that they've recruited so well at that position. It's just that is not a loss where I feel some you know, deep angst about not having him next year. And you know how him and his family choose to deal with that. That's their business. You know. I, I certainly have my opinion on it. I, I would have done it differently, but, you know, to each their own. I'm with you. I hope he has a, a great career at Tennessee. I hope he goes on and has a great NFL career. Um, I just hope that they get the their their butts stomped in when, when the dogs come to town. So that's kind of where I sit on it. But, yeah, I agree with you. Um, well, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, come back and listen with us next week. We're going to release every Tuesday. Uh, go give us a follow in the social media accounts. It's just at blog, the dogs. That's Twitter, Instagram at blog, the dogs. That's a W G on blog and dogs. Um, we will look forward to spending the, the weeks of the off season with you and get everybody ready for the, the 2020 season. Um, and you know, like we'll say every week, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.